Good morning. Good morning. I hope all of y'all are awake. I know it's really, really chilly out here, and you come in, it's all warm, and now you're like, oh, it's, my eyes are getting so heavy. It's time to wake up. It's time to get excited, because we're here this morning for a reason, right? All right, just a couple announcements. Okay, tonight is a women's ministry meeting at 5 o'clock, okay? We're going to have soup. We're going to have some sandwiches, and we're going to be going over what we are doing for 2022, and I'm super excited because I love our women's group, okay? I love spending time with y'all, so come out, okay? I'm Listen, I'm I'm counting. I'm like, all right, who's here? We're taking attendance, okay? So be there, okay? Be there. All right, and then right after service today is our event plan, event planning meeting. It's really short, really quick, just going over just a couple things. Just want to see everyone together. Um, So please, event planning team, if you're on there, stay after service, a couple minutes, and then you'll be good to go. Um, Also, I don't know if you know this, but it is, I I believe it's January 30th. So January is coming to an end. So we got February coming. And do we know what's in February, what we've been talking about? Friends and family day. Uh, day. So y'all do know about it, okay? So yes, we have our friends and family day, okay? It's not next Sunday, but it's a Sunday after, right? So it's the 13th, okay? We got these awesome cards, all right? They're on the welcome desk. Please, please, please take two if you would like more. Take more, okay? With those cards, those are what you're going to give to your friends and family to have something physical for them to have and look at. It shows them where it is, what time, you know, it's really neat, okay? Please take them. Um, Also, for Friends and Family Day, okay? We're doing baskets. We're making really nice baskets, okay? So we are going to do like a ticket thing. So the more people you bring, the more times your name goes into the bucket of getting a nice little basket, okay? So that's a little incentive for y'all. But seriously, I want to meet your friends and family, so invite them. I want to meet them. I want them to be here February 13th, Friends and Family Day, okay? All right, last announcement, connection cards, connection cards. Those are also in the welcome center um, on the desk if you need them. You can do your prayer requests on there. Um, Just put your name on the front if we have any new guests. You guys fill those out at the welcome desk as well. Um, and that is all. Thank you. And Pastor Charlie. Amen. How many here are glad to be in the house of the Lord today? All right. All right. If you'll stand with me then as we declare our faith statement. And I'll help if I get the thing to put it up. There we go. Let's declare this like we mean it. We are sword drawn, word ready, purpose filled. We will not be denied. And in Jesus' name, we will do everything. Not somehow, but triumphantly. Yes, hallelujah. Also, we make a faith statement over our offering. Now, you may say, big deal. I'm going to talk to you today on hope. This is our statement that we believe 
more so we know that God is going to bless our giving. Amen? We don't give because God needs the money. We give because He has told us that we give. And He will bless us for giving. So as we say our faith statement today, believe what you're saying. As we receive today's offering, we are believing the Lord for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, favorable settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, debts paid off, expenses decrease, blessing and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Yes. And let's now prepare our hearts and minds as we go forth in worship. You're welcome to come up to the front and let's worship the Lord together.
Come on, we about to testify. Come on. We were the beggars. Now we're
that second verse again, when darkness fails. You know, a lot of these old hymns, we were talking about it earlier, a lot of the older hymns, they're just pretty songs, but they don't have a lot of, like, biblical truth. But I'm going to tell you what, this is one of those that it is so true when darkness veils his lovely face. Have you ever been there when you can't see him? You don't see him, you don't feel him, you're like, God, where are you? Anybody been there besides me? Come on, that's when you trust in his unchanging grace. Come on, he never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's sing that. When darkness fails his lovely face, I rest, rest on his unchanging grace. you can trust him and that he never changes Lord we thank you for that today God you never change you are so good you are so good all things have passed all things have passed he stays the same
again. Old things have passed. Old things have passed away. Telling. Your love has saved the same. Your constant grace remains Come on, he's our solid rock.
done for you. Pour your love back out on him. jealous God that means you want all of our attention you deserve it Lord for all that you've done for us God you deserve it you alone are worthy God you are worthy thank you for hope today thank you that we have hope in you that you are our solid foundation and that your joy is our strength thank you Jesus thank you Jesus you're so worthy Lord Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Well, look at three people and say, the joy of the Lord is your strength. the joy of the Lord, what am I? I'm weak, right? Amen. Father God, Lord, we do love you. And Father, we, we acknowledge you, Father, that you are so good to us. You bless us above and beyond, Lord. 
And Father God, sometimes we fail to either see or acknowledge the blessings that you have poured out on us today. And Father God, today we just take this time to say thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for those blessings. Hallelujah. We have a God who has not forsaken us, who has not left us wanting. And I thank you for that. And Father God, is this time we dedicate to you. Church, if you have your offering in your hand, if you'll just raise it up to the Lord. Father, in this simple act of worship, we lift up that which you have provided for us already. In our small way, we have said, thank you, Lord. And Father God, we now dedicate this offering to you, that it will be yours, and that you will use it for that which you have purposed, Lord. And Father, you have said as we give, that you will pour out. You said you will open up the heavens and you will pour out upon us, Father. And we thank you for that, Lord. And now, church, if you will come and bring your tithes and offerings to the Lord. Father God, now is the time, Holy Spirit, if we prepare our hearts and minds to receive your word, to receive that which you have ordained for us today, Father. Lord God, I just pray 
first of all, that it be less of me and more of you, Father. That you will use this vessel, Father, to bring forth your word. And Father, as your word goes out, Father, that it will find hearts and minds prepared, good soil tilled and ready to receive the seed that you have, Father. And Father God, we come with expectations, Lord, with expectations that your word will not go out void, and it will accomplish that for which you have purposed it. Now, Father God, bless this time in your word. Bless this congregation. Bless their families. Father, this word would be used to bless others, Lord. For as your holy and awesome name we pray. Amen. Oh, see, I know I was forget. <laughs> Children's Church will meet in the kitchen. Uh, Pastor Serena and Cindy is back in the back. Wave your hands if y'all will follow them to the kitchen. As y'all know, Pastor Josiah is with the youth group at Accelerant, and they'll be heading back home today, so please keep them in your prayers for travel mercies, and pray that what they have learned and what they have been exposed to will take root, and that they will not come back into this place the same as they went out, because I am personally believing that they're going to be changed. They're going to be empowered, they're going to be on fire. And they're going to be ready to go out and be used mightily of God. So if y'all will just join me in praying for that for them today. Amen. Well, I'm going to talk to y'all today on something that seems to be dwindling in the world today. Something that we have hard time grasping anymore. And I don't understand why. We are children of God. And we above all should have this. But we find out that the world pounds us. That there are people out there who are trying to convince us that there is no hope. Or that the only hope is what they're going to tell you. Or what they're going to instruct you with. That's your only hope. I'm going to ask you a question today. And I feel like you should be able to raise your hand, but if you don't want to raise your hand, that's fine. Raise it in your heart. How many people in here believe that you're saved? How many people in here know that you have eternal life? Well, can I ask you a question? How do you know that? How do you know that you are saved? How do you know that you have eternal life? What tells you this? What makes you stand on that fact? So you mean to tell me that you know of a Jewish boy born without a father in his early years was literally raised in a barn. You didn't hear anything from him for about 30 years who then rose up and died on a cross. 
Do you believe it? No, the world says that's crazy. How do you know that all that's true? Y'all can answer, it's okay. The Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, what was that? Faith. We do it by faith. But, along with faith, comes hope. I can believe or have faith all day long. But if I don't have hope, what good is my faith done? You know, sometimes it's easy to put our hope in things that we see are things that we have. How many people put their faith that they're going to get a paycheck and be able to pay their bills? I have faith. I go to work. I have faith they're going to pay me that, that check, right? I hope they give it to me and they don't call me up and say, well, there's no money when you're not getting paid. How many people put their hope or their faith in their abilities? I can do that. I am strong enough. I can take care of that. I have the education. I have the ability to do that. How many people here rely on their day-to-day -day living. Can I tell you, church, all that's going to pass away one day. Your paycheck, your house, your cars, your abilities, all that that you we look at right now a lot of times and put our hope in and our faith in, it's going to pass away. It's not going to do us any good. Can I ask you a question? You may be the best accountant that ever walked the earth. But if your office closes its doors, what did that best accounting get you? Are people just going to show up and hand you money without you doing your accounting job? Probably not. It's all going to pass away. Scripture tells us hope that is seen is no hope at all. If I see my abilities providing for me, then it's easy to have hope in that my abilities are going to provide for me. If I see that my house is standing and I have electricity, then I have hope that I'm going to be warm at night and that I'm going to have a bed to sleep in. But true hope lies in that that we cannot see. That's how we can believe a Jewish carpenter with no father, lived in a barn, died on a cross, can give me eternal life. If your hope is not found in Jesus Christ, you're going to be sorely disappointed. And I'm not talking about just hope for eternity. I'm talking about hope 
in knowing that you're not going to walk out here and get hit by a car. I'm talking about in hope that you're going to continue to have a job where you can use your abilities and continue to draw a paycheck. Hope that your bills are going to be able to be paid, not because of who you are or what you can do, but because we have a foundation and a God who loves us and who has promised us he will provide for us. You know, we in our small group have been talking about there's a difference in needs and wants. I want to have a bigger house. I want to have a nicer vehicle. I want to make more money. But you know what my needs are? My bills are paid. I have food on my table. I have a roof over my head. I have clothes to wear. My wants are met. My Heavenly Father has seen to me that my wants are met. I'm sorry, my needs are met. Now, sometimes our wants coincide with our needs. I want to have a good bed to sleep in. I want to have food to eat. But when we start getting above and beyond that, God is not a vending machine where if I put something in, he's going to give me something out. But he is going to take care of us. Jesus is our foundation. What about your self-worth? Do you feel good about yourself because you can do things? Do you feel good about yourself because people tell you you're a good person? Do you feel good about yourself because you can put together a nice outfit and everybody can compliment you on that? Is that where your value lies? That's just as bad as putting your faith in things. Church, where should our value lie? In Jesus. He is our foundation. He not only meets our need and provides us hope, he gives us value. And without that, we are worthless. I don't care how good you look. I don't care what, how nice of a car you drive or all these other material things that we fight for in our lives today. They mean nothing if your foundation is not in Jesus and your self-worth lying in him. I'm going to tell you, I struggle with self-confidence a lot, and I have to realize Jesus determines my self-confidence and my worth. I can't depend on, well, so-and-so didn't thank me. Well, so-and-so didn't acknowledge that I did something. Well, they must not like me because they don't come talk to me. No. Jesus is our self-worth and our hope. Asked you another question. Why do you get out of bed in the morning? Honestly, why do you get out of bed in the morning? Go ahead. Y'all can answer. Nobody knows why they get out of the bed in the morning. Things to do. Anybody else? Why do y'all get out of bed? To work. We got to get to work. Got to pay the bills, right? Family depends on it. We have things we have to take care of, right? I want you to think about this. If the things that we just called out is the only thing that gets you out of bed in the morning, what a sad life we live. What a sad life we live. 
if only thing that motivates me, the only thing that gives me hope is I got to go to a job. I got to take care of certain family members. I got to do that. I got to do this. How sad if that's what motivates us to get out of bed. Where is the hope? Where is our hope? I think we get our hope set on earthly things. Like I said, our jobs, people depend on us, pay the bills, food to eat. That's where we put our hope. And we're all good as long as all that's being met, right? We're all good. But in the bigger picture, how sad if that's our only motivation. Jesus Christ did not save us to a life to just live and get by. He saved us to joy. Did we just not say, where's my strength? Well, it sure, certainly is not not my job. I don't know about you, but my job doesn't always bring me joy. It's certainly in the bill collectors. They don't bring me any joy. Family members may bring a little bit of joy, but a lot of times, as you well know, that don't last a lot of times. Sometimes we want to pinch their heads off. They ain't bringing us joy. They're bringing us the opposite. How sad is our life if that's where our hope lies? So let's find out what real joy is. All right, Pat, you may have to advance me a slide. Go back one. Back. Back another one. There should be one called What is Hope? All right, it must not have got up there. What is hope? Hope is a desire of some good accompanied with at least a slight expectation of obtaining it or a belief that is obtainable. How can we hope in something we don't believe we're going to get? How many people say, I hope I pass that test. I hope I get that money. I hope it don't rain today. That's not hope where we're going to at least obtain something. Hope is also confidence in the future events, the highest degree of well-founded expectation of good, a future event. Can you kind of see where I'm going with this? Hope is an opinion or belief, not a mountain to certainty, but grounded on substantial evidence. I can tell you I hope it doesn't rain, but what evidence do I have? I can tell you I hope I pass that test, but what evidence do I have that I'm going to obtain that? I could trust that I studied enough, but again, that's kind of sad because I won't know until I take the test. Hope is to place confidence in, to trust in with confident expectation of good. We don't hope for what's bad. We don't hope we have an earthquake. We don't hope we have tornadoes. We don't hope that, you know, we have a major bill come up that we have to pay. Hope is founded in good. 
Hope is to cherish a desire of good with some expectation of obtaining it or a belief that is obtainable. I can't hope in something that I can't obtain. I can't hope in the fact that I can be an architect. Because right now, I can't do that. I haven't been educated in that. I haven't studied that. So for me to walk up to you and say, hey, let me draw your house plans. You're going to get little Mickey Mouse doodles and little stick figure people is what you're going to get. But it is a belief that is obtainable. Now I'm going to show you the difference in worldly belief and in Christian godly belief. What hope is not? Hope is not wishful thinking. How many of us lived sometimes in wishful thinking? I have. Hope is not something that we have no control over and that I hope I pass this test. Or I hope it doesn't rain. But hope is, I know that I am able. I know without a shadow of doubt that I can. And I know that I will see this come to pass. Because you've heard people say, you know when you're knower. It's there. It's a strong belief. It's an understanding that it will be obtained. You may not know when. You may not know how. But you know that it will be obtained. That's the difference. The world is in the top part. The world will tell you, it's okay to say, I hope it doesn't rain. But where's that hope? It's okay to say, I hope I get my paycheck today. But what are you relying on? What is the good, uh, obtainable fact that you have to look at? Pat, you want to go to the next one? Secular thinkers regard hope as a temporary illusion. I'm going to tell you this. It takes more effort and more faith to be an atheist and not believe in something than it does to be a Christian and believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and going to deliver you. Now, I had to think about that. As an atheist, I have to overcome something that I already know to be true. God has planted in everyone an understanding of the truth. We can deny it. We can bury it. We can ignore it. We can go through all the steps to say it's not right. But it takes effort. If I wanted to tell you today that these walls in here were green, you're going to look at me and go, mm, no. If I go on and I present you more evidence to the fact that I start convincing you to see it like I see it, or I want you to see it, that the walls in here are green, how much effort did I have to put in to get you to do that? How much effort did you have to put in to overcome what you know as the truth? These walls are not green. It takes more effort and faith to not believe in something. It takes more effort for you to believe that the world came into being by the Big Bang Theory 
There are people out there who believe there was just this big explosion. These atoms just crashed together, and all of a sudden, there was. How much effort does that take? How much faith does that take? Then to understand that there was a creator, a mighty power, omnipotent God, who created things in order. It takes a lot more effort. Ephesians 2.12 says, Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants and promises, having no hope and without God in the world. That was our condition before we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And I'm going to just say, if you're in here today, and you have not accepted him as your Lord and Savior, and you do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, there's your faith. You're without hope. And you can pretend all you want. You can say all the right terms. You can do the right things. But if you don't have it, your end is short. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve, as do the rest who have no hope. Now we know we're talking about here the people were concerned that those who had passed on without Jesus, when he came, that they were concerned that they weren't going to be with him. So he's saying, don't be uninformed that those who are already asleep so that we grieve as those who have no hope. Can I ask you in here today, have you ever wondered how can a non-believer make it in this world? There's so much depression. There's so much hopelessness. There's so much fear. There's so much anger that we get exposed to but I can always go back to my Lord and Savior. And I don't have to be hopeless. I don't have to grieve as those who have no hope. All right, Pat, next slide. Biblical hope cannot be separated from faith in God. You cannot have faith and have hope. You cannot have hope and not have faith. Remember I told you in the scripture it says that hope seen is not hope at all? How many people in here hope when either when Jesus comes back or when we pass on that we're going to be with our Lord and Savior? You know what that's called? It's called hope. Hope is what motivates us. Hope is what gets us out of bed in the morning. Hope is what helps us get through these trials and these situations. Hebrew 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's true hope. I could hope that I would get up here today and preach a sermon. I'm doing it. There's no hope in that. It's done. I could hope when I got up today, that there was going to be heat in this church. It's, it's heated, right? There's no hope in that. 
It is the things hoped for and yet the things not seen. 1 Peter 1, 20 and 21. Uh, 1 Peter has been called the hope chapter. So if you need some hope, or if you're feeling you're lacking in hope, read 1 Peter and find out what Peter is telling to the people. The situation with 1 Peter is these people were under oppression. They were being tortured. They were being oppressed by the government. Read what Peter says to them. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and your hope are where? In God. Every single item in our life, I don't care how small or how big it is, our hope lies in God. And we can apply that hope to our situation, whatever that situation may be. If it is something small as I don't know what I'm going to eat for lunch today, we have hope that we're going to have money or that it's going to be provided to us and we're going to have something to eat. It may not be what we want, but it'll be what we need. Hope is more than wishful thinking. Next slide, Pat. Present struggles produce a need for hope in our life. Just talk to you about that. The things that we go through, the only way, and I'm going to say that again, the only way we are going to get through our present trials and struggles, our future trials and struggle, is going to be our hope. How strong is your hope? Where does your hope lie? 1 Corinthians 9.10 says, Or is he speaking altogether for our sake? Yes, for our sake it is written, because the plowman ought to plow in hope, and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing the crops. How many people in here are farmers, or have been farmers, or raised in a farm family? We're in the South. Most of us probably have experienced some kind of farming. Well, do you plant that seed, or do you plant those plants, and just walk off and come back in three or four months and hope you have fruit? No, you till, you water, you weed, you fertilize, but why? You have no guarantee that that seed's going to come up or that plant's going to produce, or I hope Bethany's watching that you can't make a meal off one okra plant. <laughs> I always have to pick at her because she planted one okra plant. We got one stalk of okra, and she was so excited. I'm like, honey, uh, you need a few more <laughs> to make a meal off these things. But we plant how? In hope. We don't see that plant when we put it in the ground, or see those, that fruit it's going to bear when we put it in the ground. But we have hope that by us taking care of it and watering it and fertilizing, that it's going to produce the fruit that we so desire or we need for our meals. That's hope. If you are a thresher, and a thresher, if you don't know, was one who used to take the weed and they used to pound it out and take the husk off of it and make sure, you know, you get just the parts you're going to eat. And a plowman plows the field. If you are living your life and that you're just throwing the seed out and never tending it, 
don't care if it comes up or not, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get don't care. So it's important that we understand that the plowman is how we should live our life in hope of a future thing with a reasonable expectation of certainty based on facts that we're going to see fruit. Right, Pat, next slide. What we see with our eyes can cause doubt and cause us to lose hope. To me, this one just hits me in the face. If you watch the news, if you read the newspaper, if you listen to people talk, there's no hope. Everything is bad. This COVID stuff is bad. Things that are going on because of the COVID stuff is bad. We can't get things because of COVID. We can't get things because people are dying from COVID. We can't have this. We can't do that. You know, the political upheaval in Russia and all that's going on out there and how the war is going to come. You know, we're not going to be able, we're going to be in a bad situation. So, y'all, you need to get and dig your um, bomb shelter and provide and get your stuff together because it's going to get really bad. How do we get through that? We have to have hope. If we let all those things that the world is telling us, that the news is telling us, convince us, all that's going to happen to us is going to be horrible. We can lose hope. And it's only in our understanding and in our relationship with Jesus Christ that we know, yes, it may get bad. Yes, we may end up going to a war. Yes, we may have a shortage of toilet paper again. Yes, we may have all this come upon us. But you know what? How many people made it through the last time? You're sitting in here, right? We can make it through again. Luke 24, 21 says, But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. This was the disciples. They're walking on the road to Emmaus with Jesus. And Jesus is asking them, hey, what's going on? And they were like, dude, where have you been? You know, it's like been the top news of the day. And they were saying to Jesus that Jesus, we were hoping, was going to do all these things. But now he's been dead for three days. They had lost hope. Because all their world and all their mind kept telling them was, there is no more hope. Jesus is gone. All that stuff that y'all were hoping for went with him. They were losing hope. We today do the same thing. How many people know the old song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus? Look full in his wonderful face. And all the things of the earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. If you start losing hope, You've probably taken your eyes off Jesus. You started looking at your situation. You started worrying about what you were going to do about it, how you were going to take care of it, instead of trusting in the Father who has the answer for all that you need for your hope. All right, Pat, next slide. God's Word is the foundation for our hope. 
Romans 15, 4, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. He's just told us right there, he knows what he thinks toward us. He knows, Brenda, his thoughts towards you are for peace and not evil, to provide you with a future and hope. Jackie, he knows that your future is full of peace and hope. He knows, um, Eddie, that, sorry, he knows that he's thinking that towards you, that he's willing to provide that towards you. We've got to get that. It's not dependent upon God giving it to us. It's us dependent upon him and knowing what he says. And we get that through his word. Matthew 20, 12, 20 through 21. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench, till he sends forth justice to victory. And in his name the Gentiles will hope. Perseverance is the key. Hang in there. Whatever you're going through now, or if you face something in the future, perseverance is the key. Never give up hope. Read the Word. Know what hope is. Read His Word and know what His plans is for us. And... You know that Gentiles covers everybody who's not Jewish, right? If you're either Jew or Gentile, there's no in-between. And what is he saying here? The Gentiles will hope. Well, you know what? We have hope because guess what? He grafted us in to the vine. We now experience, we have access to, we are beneficiaries of everything that he has promised Israel. So we want to say, oh, that was for Israel, that was for Israel. Well, you know what? It may have been, but when he grafted us in and adopted us as his child, we now have benefits. We now have hope. We are not lost. Next slide, Pat. God's word teaches us how to hope. Psalms 31, 23 and 24. Oh, love the Lord, all you his godly ones. The Lord preserves the faithful and fully recompenses the proud ones. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all ye who hope is in the Lord. Psalms 42, 5. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Psalm 62, 5, my soul wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from him. You know, I said earlier, a lot of times we get our hopes from our jobs and our paychecks and our friends and our families and our own abilities instead from his word. This is why it is so important that you're in the word. 
you're reading scripture. You know what it says. When the world tells you one thing, you say, huh, let me tell you what my father told me. Let me tell you what Jesus says about this situation. And I'm going to trust in what he says, not on what you say. Next slide. Without hope, we lose heart. Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. How many people in here, God's promised you something? How many people, God's promised you something and you haven't seen it come to pass yet? It's easy to lose hope. Well, maybe he didn't really promise that to me. Or maybe he's just decided not to give me that or provide me with that. It's easy to lose heart when we don't see in our time frame what we feel like we deserve or that we should be getting. Oh, but when it happens, when God provides that provision or when he answers that call or when he takes care of that issue, we want to jump for joy. We want to shout and we want to thank him because that's our hope. Romans 8, 24 and 25. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he has seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly await it, eagerly await for it with perseverance. Again, perseverance is the key. You've got to stand strong. God has promised you he will strengthen you. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Even though everything around me is falling apart, even though everything within me seems to be falling apart, I will still joy in the Lord. I will still trust that he's going to take. I don't know how, I don't know when, and I don't know where it's going to happen, but I know he's promised me that he will see me through. And I guarantee you right now can look back on situations you have gone through that you felt like there was no way out. And you're sitting here today on the other end of that going, wow, I saw God in that. It was only by the hand of God that I made it through. I persevered. Don't ever give up your hope. Don't ever trade that in. Keep it strong. Keep it close. God will vindicate and will make right what is wrong. But only by faith can we persevere because we can hope. Next slide. Our hope is found only in Christ, God, and his son, Jesus Christ. We sang that song today. My hope is found in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. This is where our hope lies. It is in Jesus Christ. Jeremiah 14. Are there any amount of idols of the nation that can cause rain? Or can the heavens give showers? Are you not he, O Lord our God? Therefore, we will wait for you since you have made all these things. 
It makes it easier to wait when we know the one who we're waiting for and that he has promised and his promises are sure. Ephesians 2, 11, 13. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at the time you were strangers from the covenants of promises, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. My hope lies in Jesus Christ and the blood and what he has promised us. Next slide. And this is kind of where our hope leaves us. If the story went, Jesus was born. He did all the stuff that we read about that he did. And he died on the cross. And that was it. Where would we be? If the story ended with him dying on the cross, where would we be? We would be without hope, right? But praise God, it did not end there. Three days later, they had to wait three days. First of all, everything that the disciples had learned from him, they were on the train. They were, let's go, let's do it. Jesus, you're right, come on. What? He died? Okay, well, maybe something. he's got other plans here. Day one pass, still no Jesus. Day two passes, still no Jesus. But on the third day, the stone was rolled away. Jesus came out of the grave, is alive again today, just as he was before. And we who are with him have that same assurance that though we die, we will be raised again to new life and eternal life in him. 1 Corinthians 15 says, But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we were found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom, did, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiful. How pitiful we would be. How pitiful Christians would be if there was no resurrection. The words a lot would be a lie. Church would be a lie. You would have no hope. There would be no reason for you to get out of bed in the morning. This is why I say I don't understand how someone who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ and the hope that he has in eternal life, how they make it through. Because sometimes that's all thing you can hope for. One day, I'm going to be with him.
And all these troubles and all these trials that I'm going through will be behind me. But I have hope and know that I am going to be with him. If we only have hope in this life and not in eternity, we are the most pitiful pitiful of people. Church, are you to be pitied? Again, we as Christians, we should be the happiest. We should be the most hopeful. People should just say, wow, I want what you've got. Nothing gets you down. But unfortunately, most of us look just like everybody else. We don't offer people hope because I don't believe we have our hope founded in us. I don't believe that we go above and beyond our situation. I believe we wallow in it. We badmouth it. We pity ourselves. We want other people to get in on our pity party because we don't believe what the Word has just told us. So why does the why would the world want that? They already have that. But when we can show them that we have hope, they're going to know what that hope is. What an opportunity to share Jesus Christ with people who have no hope. Next slide. How should we act as those who have hope? Romans 5, 1 through 5 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Can I? Okay, this was a revelation to me many years ago. Do you understand that if you are a child of God, God's not angry with you. God's not mad at you. He's not standing up there with a big stick just waiting on you to step out of line so he can smack you. He's not there. How many people in their, their mothers were pinchers? Whenever you got out of line, they would like grab that skin and just usually right here on the back of your arm, pinch and twist. God's not right waiting to pinch you. He knows who we are. He knows that we have failed. He knows that we're not perfect. But all his anger, all his disappointment, all his dislike for us was poured out on Jesus on the cross. That's why Pastor Josiah is talking about unity with Christ. Our sins are forgiven, our past, our present, and our future sins. God's not angry at us. He loves us, and he wants the best for us. Stop living like God's ready to smack you down. God loves us. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of glory of God. That is why people, when Jesus died on the cross, that veil who was thicker than a man's hand was torn from the top to the bottom. Because before then, you weren't allowed in the Holy of Holies. You couldn't have went back there because you were a sinful person. But when Jesus took our sins on the cross and he died for us and he gave us the hope of eternal life with him, there was no need for a veil anymore. There was no need for that protection for us because now God sees us as holy and righteous and true. Yes, I know, even though we fail, even though we sin, and even though God says, repent, confess your sins, and turn away from them, He still loves us. 
there is still no need for that veil. We live in like that veil is still up. We're living like God is just so unobtainable for us. When he's standing right here with us, he lives inside of us through the Holy Spirit. We can rejoice in the hope of glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. What? Knowing what? That tribulation produces perseverance. What did I say? Perseverance is the key. If you never went through a trial or tribulation in your life, you would be the weakest person on this earth. Somebody would look at you wrong and you would fall apart. And sadly, there are people out there like that now. Somebody look at them wrong, they're done. Tribulation produces perseverance. I've been through trials. I've gotten through it. I can persevere through this next one because I know what God's going to do. And perseverance produces character. It makes me more like Christ. It gives me that Christian character that I need to show other people. And character gives us what? Hope. If I'm living my life like Jesus is coming back, then I'm living my life in hope. So trials produce perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character gives us hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. We can stand it, people. His blood was not shed so that we could sin. Understand that we are free. Jesus forgave all our sins, past, present, and future, but he did not shed his blood so that we could go out and sin. So please don't live under that thing that I'm free to do whatever I want. God has to forgive me. That's not the purpose. He shed his blood so that we could be forgiven of our sins. There was an experiment for hope. And they took these mice and they put them in a bucket of water. And of course, the mice would swim, and they would swim, and they would swim. And after a certain period of time, the mice would go under. So the next group, and they would take them out, they didn't let them drown. The next group of mice, they put them in there, they let them swim for about 15 minutes. They would take them out, let them rest for 15 minutes, and they'd put them back in, and they would swim for 15 minutes. They would take them out let them rest for 15 minutes, and they put them back in, and they would swim. for, And those mice swam for 24 hours straight and never went under. Why did they do that? Because they lived in hope that they were going to be taken out of the situation for a period of time, and they could find rest. We as Christians today have a God who will give us respite, who will give us rest, who though we go through trials, we will get periods of refreshing. We will get periods of strengthening that maybe then we have to go right back in that trial and, and fight some more. And God's going to give us rest. And we're going to persevere through that. We'll be able to make it because God is our hope. Because we have hope in knowing this isn't permanent. 
This is not a permanent situation. Next slide. Titus 3, 5 says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by His grace, we should become, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. 1 Peter Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. It's hope that is living. It is active. It's not dead. It's not a one-time thing. It's just like his word. It's living. It's moving. It's empowering. That's the living hope that he has given us. 1 Peter 1.13, Therefore, Gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 John 3, And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Now I've talked a lot about hope, hope in our present situation. And to be honest with you, the only one hope that we have said Jesus Christ is going to come and raise us from the dead and that we're going to have eternity living with him. And that eternity is not going to be filled with pain, nor tears, nor drudgery, nor depression. We're going to have work to do. The Bible says we will work in eternity, but it won't be like toiling here. It won't, there won't be tiredness. There won't be, oh, i got to do this again. No, it will be joy because we will do everything as unto the Lord. That is our only true hope. That we will see him face to face one day. Irregardless of what you're going through, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have that eternal hope. Five things that we can do to nurture that hope while we're here. First of all, read Scripture. Again, if you're not reading Scripture... You're not going to know what he's saying or what he's telling us. How are you going to show yourself approved? I told Pastor Josiah, we could get up here and say anything, whether it's biblical or not. Most people wouldn't have a clue that we were wrong. Now, we would not do that. Let me assure you of that. But how would you know if you're not reading? Two, worship. This up here is one form of worship that we do on Sunday. But worship is something you do every single day of your life. It may not necessarily be standing up, raising your hands and singing songs. It may be just praising God. It just may be thanking Him at a time during the day. It may be that you put on music and you just listen and soak in His presence. But worship has to be a daily thing. Three, prayer. Church, prayer is your lifeline. You have got to be in prayer with the Father. You have got to spend time in His presence. It's not enough to read His Word. It's not enough just to worship. But spend time with Him. And prayer is not, Oh, blessed be thou, Lord God, who broughteth me out of the 
No, prayer is, hey, God, I'm so thankful that you did this for me today. I'm so thankful you woke me up. Father, and I am dependent upon you to lead me through the day. That's prayer. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be four hours long. It could be just a couple of words long. Pray without ceasing does not mean you're praying 24-7. What it means is every time God lays upon your heart to look up and just say, Father, I hear you. Thank you, Jesus. When you do that multiple times during the day, you are praying without ceasing. Doesn't mean go weeks, days, months, years, but not knocking on his door. You should be able to go to Jesus' house and go right to his refrigerator and open it up because you know what, your family. We don't have to stand on principalities. We don't have to stand on formalities with him. It's, hey, God, how you doing? I really need a drink today. I'm going to go get me a soda. That's prayer. Four, fellowship. And we've instituted small groups here. And I know that's new for a lot of people. And I know it's a hard thing to come out during the week or on a Sunday afternoon whenever your small group meets. But please make an effort to fellowship with your brothers and sisters. We sometimes, we want to go, we want to be that lone wolf. I can take care of that myself. Or, well, I don't want people knowing all my business. And that's okay. You ain't got to tell everybody your business. But you know what? When you hear somebody in your group saying they're going through something, you're thinking, you know what? I'm, I've dealt with that too. Either number one, you can help them by saying, this is how I got through it. Or number two, they may tell you something they went through and you go, hmm, that sounds interesting. I may have to try that. You're not going to get that in on Sunday setting. Sunday church is just a face. We come here corporately, we worship, we hear the word, and then we go home. Fellowshipping truly is and happens in our small group. Growth in Christ happens in small group, not here on Sunday morning. You may get a good word. God may impart to you some information, but growth is going to occur in those small groups. So if you are not involved in a small group or have not been assigned a small group, please see me or Pastor Josiah. They're meeting all through the week. They're not all at the same time. So, you know, and I'm going to say this too. If you're in a small group and maybe you're more comfortable with another group, let us know. Don't just show up, but let us know that you would rather be in this group rather than that group for whatever reason. But please get in on fellowship. And the fifth thing, ministry to others. Have you ever heard the old saying, I once cried because I had no shoes, then I saw a man who had no feet? When we minister to others, it kind of makes our situation look less stressful for us. It kind of puts us in a situation where we can go, you know what, I'm not the only one going through this. When we minister to others, people's needs get met. And you will be surprised how many times your needs will get met. Even though you may be ministering to somebody else, God ends up ministering directly to you.
So scripture, read the word. Worship daily. Prayer at all times. Fellowship. Come to small groups and ministry to others. If you do these things, I promise you that your hope will be strong. That you will be able to withstand and you will build that perseverance that you need to get through situations. Father God, Lord, I just thank you. I thank you, Father, that we do not grieve as those who have no hope because you, Father, has, you have provided us all the hope that we need. You have promised us hope. Our hope does not lie in the politics. Our hope does not lie in what's going on in the earthly realms around us. Our hope does not lie in our jobs, in our own abilities. Our hope does not lie in our parents or in our friends and family. But there's only one true hope, and that is in you. And that hope being that one day, one day rest assured that if we know you, we will be with you in eternity. We will hear you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And Father, may we always cling to that hope. Now I'm going to ask everybody if they'll just bow your heads and close your eyes. And if there's anyone in here today who does not have that hope or maybe their hope has faltered you just don't feel that you have perseverance anymore whether it's because you've neglected the word or prayer or any of these five things that we spoke about or maybe it's because you think you know Jesus but you're not assured you think you've done the right thing, I'm going to tell you right now, brother or sister, you can know without a shadow of a doubt where your hope lies. Whether you need to renew your commitment that you made to understand, I ask you right now, I'm not going to ask you to come up front. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to examine your heart. And if you do not know that you know that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to pass from life today, that you would be in the presence of a heavenly Father, then I want you to repeat these words after me. Father God, I have sinned against you. I've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, and lack. I have told myself that I, I know a better way than you. I've told myself that I've got a good job, I've got a good house, I've got a good family, and that's all I need. Father, forgive me. Forgive me for that deception because I know that my only hope is in you right now. My only trust is in you. 
that all these other things will perish. All these other things will come to naught. But Father, I need you. I either submit my life to you or rededicate my life to you today. That I will walk in renewed, fresh hope in you. That I too will be counted on that day when you call that my name will be written in the Lamb's book of life and I will pass from life into eternal life with you, Father. And I thank you for that and I ask you, Holy Spirit, to come in and dwell me and to guide me and strengthen me. And I love you, Lord. And I thank you for this time. I thank you for your hope that you have passed to us, Lord. In your holy and awesome name I pray, Lord. Hallelujah. Church, just give them a shout of joy. You can stand and raise your hands. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you are our hope. You are our bringer of hope. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. At this time, church, y'all are dismissed. We do have the meeting, real quick meeting. I'm assuming we're going to be in the kitchen or either in here. So if you're a part of the event planning team, just stay here for a few minutes. Um, otherwise, go in peace. <laughs>